Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I'm with Mark. How's it going, Mark? Hey, going great. Cool. Today, we're going to talk about something a lot of people are interested in, I think. And these are like more basic questions, but I understand that a lot of people still haven't started their websites, etc. And if that's the case, and if a lot of people are paralyzed because they just don't know what topic to pick, and today we're going to talk about the attributes of like a good niche and good, I should put some quotes around good, right? Because the truth is, you can make money from all niches. I mean, any site that gets traffic, you could essentially put ads around and make money, even if it's not commercial at all, even if there's you know nothing special about it, you can definitely make money. But the truth is, you can make more money in some niches than others. And really, it's not like, can I make money with this niche? You can kind of make money with a niche. It's like, can I make good money with any niche? Not necessarily the case. But as a site owner, you know, people's job is to create a bridge between some kind of interest of someone. You know, some, you know, let's say I have, I'm interested in the gym or like getting in shape and bridging that with products and services while offering a good experience to the reader. So it's like someone's looking on how to get a better grip. Then you talk about, you know, the exercises they can have or, you know, and then you mention also the stuff they can buy to actually have better grip, like these little hand grippers and people can click through, buy and then they can buy from your shop or someone else's shop and you will make some money out of that. Another thing I wanted to say is that the topic on its own is, is really not that important. What is important is where is the money? Where, like, and I think you've probably seen that as well, Mark. It's like a lot of people, you know, they start a website and they have absolutely no idea how they're going to make money. They're just like, ah, oh, I thought it would be interesting or I've seen a lot of people do that, so I'm just going to do that. I mean, we did that with Health Ambition yeah. to, to an extent at least. I mean, we really didn't do too much research into uh, how we're going to monetize it. We sort of like built it and then we'll worry about that a bit later. <laughs> and that's a terrible idea. So don't do what we say. Don't do what we do. Do what we say. But like for the new sites that we're looking at, et cetera, it's definitely a different story. But being I, I think there's to- also like a lot of, I see a lot of advice out there and sort of like, you know, newbie courses is like pick something you're interested in. Like don't worry about all this kind of stuff. And And I think there's, there's a reason for that to to get people's sort of motivation up there, but you're right. Like without sort of thinking, what's the end game here? You're kind of it's like you're missing an opportunity. You know, I like online games, but if I made a site about online games, I don't think I would make a ton of money. It's just it's one of these things. Well, sure, you can make money with anything, as I said at the beginning, but it's like a business decision you're making, right? It's not just about what you like. It's like What's your goal? Is your goal to make money or is your goal to build a site that you know, makes you feel better about yourself? And if it's the, the former, then feel free to, to, to make a site about what you like. But otherwise, just, just like actually try to pick a niche that is monetizable. And we're going to talk about all these things. But really, the big thing here is never start a site without knowing where the money is coming from. And starting with that, what, what the first attribute we're going to talk about is there should be products or services associated to that niche. And it's something that you need to think about whether there is an affiliate program or not. So a lot of people, you know, when we say that, 
they think, oh, okay, so I need to have affiliate programs for that niche. It's not necessarily the case. It just means people can spend money to do it faster, do it better, to do it at all. If you, if you talk about like ice hockey, for example, that would be a good niche. Why? Because, well, you can't really do ice hockey without ice skates, without all the equipment, without everything, you know? So it actually costs a bunch of money to even stop playing ice hockey for the first time. So that's why it would be actually a pretty good niche. But I just want to expand on that a little bit more. Like if you think about it more broadly, like some of the products and services which are being offered like there's there's no way they'll have affiliate programs like yeah if you want to do something about you know underfloor heating these companies they just don't have affiliate programs they're half of them don't even have websites um, That's so you'll, you'll exactly you'll need to go to these businesses and like you negotiate some kind of arrangement or lead share some kind of agreement but that's irrelevant you don't need to worry about that right now just the fact that they have a product and a, ser- a product or service something people in can that, spend money on you know? yeah exactly because even if you are there's no affiliate program nobody wants to work with you nobody wants your leads and you're unable to generate them the fact that there is products associated to that means that the ad cost is much higher and when the ad cost is much higher, just putting AdSense on your site will make you much more money. Therefore, you definitely like you have to have products in that niche that you're picking so that you will make more money. And you know, that could also be like for ice hockey. I don't think there's an affiliate program for that, although I don't know. But what I know is you can affiliate Amazon for a bunch of stuff. And if that works out well, you can then FBA stuff. You can sell stuff on Amazon yourself. And then link to that from your site. And eventually, you'll make pretty decent money out of that. So all you want to make sure is that there is a product. And so that's basically the product part. Now, the second part, which can be argued, but for us, I want the niche to have search volume. I want people to search for stuff. And the stuff in that niche, obviously. And the reason why is because Search traffic is often for a website, what I call the blanket traffic, which is the traffic that will come to your site today, no matter what you do. If you're on the beach, if you're sick, if you can't work for like six months or something, your search traffic is what will keep your business going. You don't need the social media, you don't need all of that. If search is working for you, it's going to stay for a while. And the way to go from 5,000 to 10,000 visits per day is often to actually increase your search traffic, because that's if you get these 5,000 visits just from search, then you just need to do some social media and stuff, and that jumps to 10,000. But if you don't have that search traffic, you're at 5,000 from zero. So search traffic is really quite important, and it lasts for a while. And if nobody searches for the stuff you're doing, you're going to struggle. So what I actually recommend is that people go on the Keyword Planner from Google. It's free. You can just Google that, Google Keyword Planner. And you can have like look at popular keywords in different niches you are searching for. So for example, maybe I'd be considering going into the ice hockey niche, or maybe I'd be considering going into the horseback riding niche, right? And then I would probably put these two keywords inside the Google Planner, and I would look at the difference in search volume. You know, one is probably going to have a lot more than the other. I would expect ice hockey has a lot more. And that means that Overall, if you're selling a $100 product, but one niche has 10 times the search volume, your opportunities are greater in that niche. So I think that's pretty cool. You can also use Google Trend as well. Just we want some search volume. And technical terms are also very friendly, very good, because it means you can do a lot of content marketing and target all these long-tail keywords. How important do you think is search intent 
when you're looking at that? So, you know, whether someone's looking for information versus to make a purchase. It's funny because it's actually going to be tied to a point we talked about before, but if it's if it's something people are passionate about, so let's say ice hockey or like horseback riding, like I said, intent is less important, right? Because if I write about like obstacle horseback riding, like jumping above obstacles, and people opt in on my email list, I know these people are like horse riders anyway. And if there is something to sell, I can just email these people. And if there's a good promo, they will buy this stuff anyway, no matter what the initial search intent was, right? So if it's something more topical, like how to jailbreak my iPhone, let's just say that, then then that's very important because people are looking to solve the problem right now. Therefore, I mean, there are people that are passionate about their iPhone, so it's probably a bad example, but how to fix my washing machine. Nobody's passionate about washing machines, I think. I mean, maybe a few people, if you're one of them, send us a message, but... In that case, search intent is important, but when you're talking about a lifestyle choice or, or, or passion, then it's actually less important. It's more about like how big is the population, you know? Yeah, I, I find it's kind of it gets more relevant if your authority site that you're, you're choosing to build is kind of, it's not super broad, like you're focusing in on one like specific area. Like, uh, I'm just thinking here from like health ambition, you know, like if I was doing research, I was looking at like people looking for recipes versus people looking to lose weight. Like there's a massive difference there. I mean, there's a lot of people looking to lose weight as well. And there's a lot of people looking for recipes. It would be like getting rid of cellulite versus losing weight, for example. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, it's like... It's usually like 10x differences, even up to 100x differences. And if you can pick any niche, then actually broad niches are better than narrow niches, even though you're like, oh, but there's going to be more competition, etc. And that's great because that's actually our next point. <laughs> if there's no competition, chances are it's not that it's because nobody thought about it. It's because it's not profitable. Like there are like 7 billion human, humans that are out there. There's over 1 billion on the internet. If you think about something... There's a really good chance someone else has thought about it as well. And there's I, really- I would, I would go, go as far as to say that if there's no competition, that's like a massive warning sign. Yeah. And you should actively avoid that. Yeah, I mean, it means that essentially the, the main reason there's no competition is probably because it makes no money, not because nobody thought about it and you just had a genius idea. Uh, like there's only one Mark Zuckerberg, right? And I, I think one thing I want to say about competition as well is I really love competitors because... A lot of the stuff we do is actually reverse engineering our competitors and looking at what worked for them and what didn't work for them. So if there was no competitors, we would have to figure out everything from scratch. But we don't because we just look at them. We look at the, like we check with tools like Ahrefs and so on, and we see what content has worked for them. We see what's generating sales for them, what's ranking for them, all these things, and that allows us to only work on these things that worked for them. And we do that across ten competitors, and that means that we have a really, really high success rate on content, on review stuff, that kind of stuff, because we are looking so closely at competition. So you want competition. If there's no competition, I would not go in that niche, actually. Another thing as well is that competitors can actually be partners. So like you can become an affiliate of your competitor. Maybe they're like much more advanced than you, they're much bigger business, and they have an e-commerce shop. Then you can just have a deal and say, hey, I'll just send traffic your way and you give me a percentage of the share, of the sale rather. Or they can become your affiliate or you can do joint ventures. Like, for example, Natalia Hacker, I mean, we work quite closely with Rank Excel and 
Fats tax block. Now, even though we essentially talk about the same stuff, which is building authority sites, we promote them, they promote us, mostly because we like each other's product and we're kind of in the same. But we kind of competitors in search anyway, but that we still make money together. So competition is actually a good thing. Do you want to say anything about competition? No, I think we covered it. Just the, like, as you said, it's a very good indicator of, it's a very good indicator of there's like, if there's a, any kind of commercial intent in that specific niche. But I think it's also like a good way to, like, how, how would you explain it? I don't want to say like copy exactly what they're doing, but like, but almost. because, because if I say that, people are going to be like, okay, I'll just pick this and copy that. And it's never as good. Yeah. But like the way they structure, the way they structure their site, you can certainly learn a lot from that. And that's yeah. as far as I'll go. Yeah, okay. So and, and a word about copycats. I'm actually going to do a podcast with Perrin about copycats because like a million people have copied his website. Yeah. And none of them are successful, by the way. But what I want to say is like when we say looking at what's successful for your competitor, it doesn't mean making a cheaper version of their logo, taking their brand colors, and copying their WordPress team. That is not what we mean. What we mean is looking at the concept of what they're doing, taking a piece of content about, I don't know, about, about, about a specific topic, maybe like, as I said, like the, the best obstacle horse riding events in the UK or something, and seeing that this piece of content has worked and maybe create something that doesn't even look exactly the same, something that just is about the same topic and gives the same information in a different way. So it doesn't feel like it's a copy of the page. It just feels it just has been inspired by this other page. And that's what we mean by like learning from competitors. We don't mean copy exactly the logo, the colors, the exact article structure, all the formatting elements need to be the same and the lead magnet needs to be the same. That is not what we recommend. And we see a lot of people do that. And to be honest, I have yet to see a successful one. So... I'm just going to close this parenthesis here, but I'm going to talk about the and the thing that we just talked about in a, a minute ago, which is it needs to be either two things. And that thing that's one of the most important together with the product thing is people need to, it needs to be a problem people really want to solve or it needs to be something people are really passionate about. Kind of like a lifestyle choice. Because one thing I want to say is like not all traffic is created equal. So you don't give the equal amount of attention to like a viral video that was posted by Mashable on your Facebook feed and information about, in my case right now, taking a loan to buy an apartment. That is something that you wouldn't look at the same way and you're going to pay a lot more attention to the second one because you care a lot more about it. And that is the same here. The more your traffic cares about what you have on your website, the more you can monetize it. If people give attention to the to what you like pay attention sorry to what you do it's way more valuable and you can sell them stuff i think yep. i just want to add to that i think that to go even further it's, it's not just about how much they they care about it but it's like a there's an emotional thing here this is well, this is why pet sites do so well you know cuz like people really 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 love their pets and this is why weight loss sites do so well or you know there's so much money in it because parenting as well for yeah example. people really care like so much about how they look and if they're if they're overweight they want to lose weight but the thing with with weight loss is it's it's not just like they they care a lot about it it's like they need the results fast and so you know if you have an urgent problem like i don't know 
your legs caught under a table or some something crazy like that. You know what I mean? You will do whatever it takes to solve that problem quickly, including throwing money at the problem. So consider this time element as well. Like, for example, Gail, you just mentioned about you looking to get, take a mortgage. It's never really like a super urgent thing to do that. Uh, but that's not to say it's a bad niche by any means, but like this extra layer of consideration. It really depends how you run your marketing. Like if, if you're solving a problem right now, right here, then I wouldn't even bother with an email list, for example. Whereas when you are talking about more of a passion, like the horseback riding or the ice hockey I was talking about, probably you won't just play for three months. So depending on the urgency of what you're treating, you're going to be treating your marketing differently. The way we run things is usually for more like longer-term stuff. But it doesn't mean that you can't treat shorter-term stuff within your long-term passion. So for example, you know, it's like, oh, my horse is sick. How do I fix that? Well, these horseback riders, they will care about it and they will care about it right now. And that is something where you can get them to take more action because you need them to do something for their pet in that case, even though your whole side topic is about more of a long-term passion. So, Yeah, I also want to say never underestimate how strongly people will care about their, their hobbies. And that, that doesn't have to be you know pets or something. It could be something like model trains. To anyone who's not interested in that, it might just seem like a toy or something like uh, something kind of boring. But for almost every hobby or every interest, there's like a, a, a group of people who are just obsessed with it. And like never underestimate how strong those can be, those people can, people can be as an audience or customers. Yeah. So, so it really depends on that. But like, since you don't give you equal amount of attention to all these things, you need to also consider that when you look at the traffic numbers and you need to be like, okay, there is 100,000 visitors for this keyword, but how intense is the intent? And if it's, if it's slow, it's like, it's kind of a multiplier, right? Maybe you multiply it by 0.1. If it's high, you multiply it by 10 or something. And that it gives you kind of a number that you can compare. Another thing I want to say as well about passions is that passions are very, very socially shareable, which is a really good thing. That means that you can do a lot of social media marketing. You can target these people on Facebook very easily because you can target by interest. You can create content that these people will share like crazy because, well, that's all they care about and they want all their friends to know and probably their friends care about that stuff as well. And also, if you can pass as a passionate person yourself about that topic, actually getting backlinks and getting shares is very, very, very easy. And we're doing that a lot on Health Ambition and it's working like crazy right now. So yeah, that's why I really like actually, actually passion-based niches. Do you want to add something on that topic? Yeah, or? last one is I think that the whole male-female split it can be, you can take like gender into consideration as well when you're choosing your, your niche. And one of the areas that's to, to think about is Pinterest, actually, because I forget the statistics, but it used to be something 75, like, yeah. Yeah, the, the vast majority of people in Pinterest are female and they tend to pin more stuff or something like that. But Yeah, they share more stuff, etc. It's just yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're considering something where your audience is more likely to be female, then, you know, you might have more opportunity in those kind of areas, especially in Pinterest. So, you know, that's just another factor to consider. Yeah. So I think we're going to close that podcast by talking about a few examples of good niche and bad niches and, and see why they're good or why they're bad. So let's just start with an example of a good one that I'm going to pick. And I'm going to pick the yoga niche. Uh, I know Sebastian is going to hate me because that's what he's in. 
That's a really good niche. Why? Well, is there products? Yeah, there is a bunch of products for yoga. Also, if you put together like all the ebooks on relaxation, the essential oil stuff, kind of like the natural medicine side of it and the Zen side of it, that is something that you know you can sell to your audience. It's very shareable. Like there's a lot of really beautiful images about yoga. There's a lot of searches. It's a growing hobby. There's a very distinct female audience, which as you said, on Pinterest would work really well. And uh, there's a lot of keywords and very technical terms as well. So I really like the yoga niche, for example. That, that is a niche that you can affiliate on Amazon and you can run ads on it. And later, you can actually have an e-commerce store and actually grow that even more. So that is a niche I like a lot, actually. Do you want to talk about a niche you like a lot or do you want me to do them? I, I'm looking at your list right now, and remember, we we actually discussed doing this years and years ago as a, a yeah. site on paintball. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I've been paintballing. I, may, I don't know, maybe three or four times in my life, and you know, it's a great great day out or something. But the people who are interested in that that niche and people who are you know going every week or every weekend, they spend thousands of dollars every year on like the latest equipment and so expensive you know it's yeah it's it's one of these things where i don't know how what the sort of margins are in a paintball gun or a mask but it's just a bit of plastic at the end of the day and uh, you know they sell for some of them thousands of dollars it's it's crazy crazy in a good way obviously because such people are obviously spending a lot of money and you there's know, also like tournaments and teams yeah. and all that stuff like you know there, there is a real like oh, sports it's on life tv as well i saw this like paintball game really? lasted like 24 <laughs> hours some guy was like in a bush for 18 hours just waiting and then <laughs> one when this guy came back it was i i'd, n- I'd never believe it but it's, it was on like espn or some you know big wow. tv sports tv thing but, yeah yeah so there's a lot of stuff like people that are passionate about it are really passionate it's not necessarily the most shareable, although, you know, the people that are really into it, they probably share it on their Facebook and all their friends are into it as well and they talk about it, etc. So if you have like, you know, the, the latest news of what happened in the latest tournament or something, these people will share around. And also, usually when you're into that, you're into that for a while. So you can build this email list and this audience that you can market to for a long time. And and actually, there is quite a bit of dropshipping in that niche. So opening a shop in that niche would be a pretty good idea. And I'm not excluding that we wouldn't do it at some point. Yeah, like definitely an easy one to get into with, with content. It's very little um, competition as and, well. And also an easy one to sort of like the, the end game, as you said, with like dropshipping and, you know, um, even like branding your own products and stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's also very low competition for SEO. Like nobody, nobody that does SEO is in the paintball niche. Like this is like the sites look horrible. They look like they're ten years old and stuff. It's a, it's a really really cool niche to get in. Actually, I have a feeling there's gonna be like ten paintball sites <laughs> after this podcast. I was telling, but it is a good niche, right? Yeah. Um, and another one which is kind of a classic is the woodworking niche. So it kind of goes together with like this prepper niche and this this kind of like survivalist and you know use your hand to do stuff and don't rely on society essentially. And so yeah, woodworking. A lot of people actually buy a lot of tools for this. A lot of people uh, buy plans as well. They they buy courses. A lot of like execs as well. People who have been working in an office for twenty years. They're like, oh, I need to learn how to use my hands, and they get into that stuff. They they have a garage and they start filling it up with stuff and. You can sell people on new projects all the time. So yeah, what I really like about this niche is there's it's one of those 
areas where you need to buy a certain like set of equipment in order to you know even to do anything it's like djing in that sense i mean you you can't dj unless you have some decks you know or like a mixer and all this kind of stuff and even the newest of new person needs this equipment in order to to do it and you need to spend a, a reasonable chunk of money in order to get there so you know you have a lot of like newbies spending a lot of money like uh, that that kind of barrier to entry and that's good because you know you always have these new people uh, who are interested in woodworking who are willing to spend spend money so yeah yeah that's a good one and as i said you can send people on like new projects you can sell sell them the plans or the courses on how to build this or this etc you can have images that are very showable on social media of like stuff people have done and so on it is a cool niche and once again, not that competitive in terms of SEO, actually. Now let's talk about uh, just just on that point. Actually, like this is another one of those uh, those ideas where it's more of like a traditional topic or 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 interest area woodworking. I mean, it's you know, there's not that many young people, although there definitely are, but you know, there's just not that many young people um, interested in it. And so that the site owners, the forum owners, the people who are you know, current authorities in there, they they probably don't really know what they're doing for the most part. I'm sure they wanted to. But about their website. Exactly. About exactly. About marketing. I mean, so, you know, that's something to consider as well. Yeah. It's, it's really easy to enter this kind of area and have a site that looks much better than average. Yeah. And Another that, good one for that actually would be gardening. Just thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, like we have a friend that is in gardening and yeah, he's doing pretty well actually. He's doing a hydroponics. So yeah, it's the same kind of niche. And you know, a lot of people, you know, they're more interested in like tech and everything. But the truth is you make quite a bit less money with a tech site than you would with a woodworking or paintball site. Yeah, like, if you start an iPhone review site, like yeah, forget, forget about it. Like that's the thing because just people who are interested in, in technology are good with computers and good with websites. And, you know, they kind of get all this internet marketing thing fairly it comes natural or they, they and you're competing with like cnet and like yeah. all like the verge and all these really big sites and your chances of beating them are basically inexistent so yeah like actually that's great because we're gonna start with bad niches tech bad niche in general also especially if you do like phone stuff etc the affiliate programs are horrible I mean you sure phones are expensive and so on but you get four percent on the sale on Amazon no matter which which phone you sell, which is pretty much half of the commission of anything else you would sell on Amazon. So that's that's pretty low. The App Store has an affiliate program, but it's also really, really low paying. So in the end, like you need a lot of traffic to make some money. And it's not easy to get traffic in that niche just because it's so competitive. So I would not go in any tech niche or review. I, I, I would add something to that. And the exceptions we would make are something which is kind of like you're a little bit ahead of the time. So if you want to get into something like drones or 3D printing, yeah. um, there may be opportunities there. 3D printing especially, there's a lot of lot of interesting stuff going on at the moment there. Yeah, it, it needs to be niched down and not mainstream consumables. Mainstream consumables are way, way too competitive and they pay too little for you to to make it work. Another one that I would probably... Not going, although you could argue you can make money from ads, is like like stuff like viral videos and cute animal pictures. People that are specializing in ads, they would say like they can make good money, 
and you can, I mean, like I said, like Viral Nova was like made like I think a hundred K per month or something from from the site doing that. But actually it's kind of like past already and everyone's doing that now. And on top of that, you can't really sell anything to the audience. So if at some point you get banned from an ad network or something, you're essentially done with that site. I don't I don't know. It's like it works, but it's you have one revenue stream and if you if it doesn't work anymore, then you're you're done with your site. So I don't it's not very stable, despite the fact it can make some money. I would say, I would say it's not it's not a terrible niche, but it's it's probably not something you want to start with. If yeah, it's, is, it's actually competitive, set, even yeah. though it's it's easy to get traffic, but your revenue is very low. And like another one would be like a two, something that's too niche, as we said. Like it's cool to 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 specialize a bit, but something like nineteenth century poetry in the UK or something that would be complicated to monetize. Why? Because there's very little search volume. Sure, you can sell a book of poetry, but you know you can also Google poetry and basically get the same stuff. I, ju- I just want to add something like in- in- into that. There are sites making money out of not 19th century UK poetry, but like, you know, <laughs> out, out of poetry. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, wouldn't recommend going it, but something which is quite similar to that, which is I know it's really popular, is uh, like wedding speeches, best man speeches, this kind of thing. There are sites which sell like those and templated versions of those and do really, really well out of it. So... Yeah, I mean, they can make some money, but you're limited in terms of products. You're limited in terms of traffic sometimes. I mean, for bestman speeches, it can be a good niche. But once again, probably very competitive, actually. And yeah, once again, like once you've sold your one product, it's also it's hard to build a community out of these for, for the bestman speeches. For the 19th century poetry, you can, just won't get that many people. So don't get too niche. So yeah, that's basically it for me for that podcast. Do you want to add anything, Mark? No, I think we covered it all. Cool. I hope that inspired you guys and gave you some ideas in terms of what works, what doesn't, what to look for, what to not look for in a niche. One thing I want to say as well is don't overthink it. Once again, as I said, the first thing I say in this podcast is you can make money from any niche. The question is how much money can you make? And it's good to spend some time making some strategy on maximizing your income, but don't spend six months thinking of a niche. Get started and then figure it out. You can make money from any niche. Yeah, that's I think good point to finish on. I there, I hear so many people who spend you know like even years deciding which niche to to pick, and they they come to us and like oh we can't like I I've been thinking about this thinking about this, but I haven't been able to find a good niche. And like if you're trying to find you know the perfect niche, I'm sorry it doesn't exist. It's just you know pick one and pick one that's good based on as much good information as you can can gather and then just stick with that and then do the right thing and 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 grow and it will work yep so guys thanks for listening to this podcast and we'll see you guys in the next episode bye guys thanks for listening to the authority hacker podcast if you enjoyed this show don't forget to rate us on itunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium authority hacker training